Welcome to the Metaverse Podcast, episode number one, taping on Monday, March 7th, 2022. My name is Noah Kravitz. Coming up on the show, the Mindful Metaverse, a conversation with Nenea Reeves. Nenea is the CEO of a company called Trip that has been making virtual reality experiences, VR, and working on AR and XR experiences for a few years now. And they are stepping into the metaverse, or more into the metaverse, I should say, with the acquisition of another company called Evolver. Nene and I talk about what the mindful metaverse means, what it, what it could be, how they're building it, what it means to build technology experiences designed to increase human well-being in a lot of different ways. Meditation is part of it, but there's more to it than that. We also get into Nenea's own background in the gaming industry. She's been doing this for a while. So it's a great conversation, a lot of insights. One of the things I uh, appreciated the most was Nenea talking about the importance of building to suit your medium. In other words, if you're building for VR, if you're building for the metaverse, why just try to recreate what we already can do in the physical world? And why not leverage the medium? Why not build natively to the medium to do things in the digital space that aren't possible in the physical space? Uh, she's been doing that with Trip. They're continuing to do it going forward. Very cool conversation. So stick around for that. Nenea Reeves on the Mindful Metaverse. But first, it's episode one. So I got to say hi, lay a little groundwork, let you know what we're doing here. The podcast is called Metaverse. I guess housekeeping first. Uh, housekeeping first, Shout out, thank you, a lot of love to my partners, my friends who got in the boat with me to make this happen. Thank you to Seven, to Melissa, to Doug, Mega Doug, some of you might know from the phone dog days way back, uh, all in the boat with me. So thank you guys for making this possible. Now then, Metaverse, it's a podcast, you can get it wherever you get your podcasts, Apple, Spotify, all the usual places. We're also doing a video version on YouTube, so you can check that out. We've got Insta, Instagram, and Twitter right now, Metaverse Pod, all one word. So you can follow us there. You can say hi, tell your friends, tell your neighbors, tell your colleagues, tell the avatar you met in Decentraland to check out the podcast. Not too long ago, all of a sudden, the Metaverse, everybody was talking about the Metaverse in my professional life in my message threads everywhere. Everybody's been talking about uh, Bitcoin, uh, crypto for a while now, the Super Bowl ads, obviously, if you, if you caught those or heard about them. It's kind of exploded into the mainstream consciousness, I would say, over the past six months or so. There are different reasons for that, which we'll get into in future episodes, but a ton of venture capital money being put into the space. It's been going on for years, but especially second half of 2021, beginning of 2022, just a lot of money being put into this whole thing we call the metaverse, Web3. So this, this we use this term to mean, you know, not just what the company Meta is doing, that's part of it, the sort of um, ideal of the Ready Player One immersive VR, which we might be on the road to, we might not be, it might be a good thing, might not be, we'll talk about all that, but also Web3, so the blockchain and everything the blockchain enables, cryptocurrencies, tokens, NFTs, all kinds of things. Uh, so we take all of these things, we lump them together under this heading of the metaverse. And we're going to talk about what it is, what it's not, what it might be, what it can't be right now. There's uh, a lot of headlines being made, unfortunately, because of scammy behavior, uh, people making lots of money off of other people losing lots of money, particularly in the NFT space. Uh, but there's a lot else that's going on using these technologies. That's not about that. That's about trying to build community. That's about trying to build decentralized versions of some of the things we use, social media and other platforms, to sort of shift the balance of power and sort of change who owns these technologies, who has a say in how the future of tech that we all use is built out. There's a lot more than that. And there are a lot of other people who can explain it better than I can which is why I started the pod, which is why I'm doing interviews. It's going to be an interview-based show, uh, at least for now. You'll hear from me at the beginnings, of course, but hopefully not too much. Hopefully this is one of the longer monologues to start a show. Uh, but we're booking guests from across the spectrum, people who are making 
all of this technology, people who are investing in it, people who are observing and reporting on it, people who are using it, people who are passionate, people who are true believers, people who are critics, everything in between. Now, the Mindful Metaverse with Nenea Reeves. It's a great conversation. Stick around. Thanks for listening. All right, here with us today is Nenea Reeves. Nenea is the CEO of Trip, a digital wellness VR company. There's a better description than that. I will let you introduce the company. But Nenea, thanks so much for uh, joining the Metaverse podcast. Glad to have you. Yeah, I'm glad to be here, Nella. Thanks for asking. I thought, so, I thought the uh, digital wellness platform or whatever you called us was good. <laughs> we like to call ourselves the mindful metaverse or building the mindful metaverse right now. Yeah. So I, I'm eager to, to talk to you about that concept and mm-hmm. uh, the, the post you put up on Medium uh, beginning of February announcing the acquisition of Evolve VR mm-hmm. was under that, that banner, the mindful metaverse. Um, but before we get to that, it'd probably be useful for the audience. Why don't you tell us a little bit about Trip, um, whatever you like about the company, your own background, et cetera, but about the work that you're doing um, in AR, VR, XR uh, with wellness and um, what was the phrase that you used? Uh, digital fitness? <laughs> or fitness for your inner self. Fitness for your inner self. Yeah, which yeah. is, uh, uh, you know, trying to explain what we do at Trip. it's uh, rather difficult. There aren't a lot of people approaching mindfulness and uh, different states of being that that we can all have as part of being humans. We're trying to use technology to, you know, essentially make people feel better. Right. And it, what we found was in the early days of VR, at least this, this wave of uh, virtual reality, where we're working with devices that are very consumer friendly, rather than the early pioneers who, you know, it, <laughs> it was impossible to even get research done in it, but they did, right. you know, they've been working on it a lot. And, uh, but we found that the immersion of virtual reality was a wonderful medium to look at how we could create containers that you can retreat to with a self-care kind of goal drive a deeper connection. And, you know, there's, uh, there's a lot of people, I think in the early days of virtual reality content creation, we're focusing on simulating this reality. And what we decided to do at Trip was really to lean in what's native about virtual reality. What can we do to create experiences you can't feel or have in the physical world and do that with the goal of architecting them uh, in ways that make you feel supported. So using gameplay mechanics, sound frequencies, targeted visuals, um, uh, playing with movement in a way that triggers states of, oh, wow, kind of feelings, which can have a huge benefit on your mental well-being if you're kind of stuck in a negative headspace to get into that on wonder can be very helpful. Right. It's, uh, I suppose it makes sense, but it's interesting that the point you raised that um, when we have a new medium to explore, kind of the first thing that a lot of people do is try to recreate the old medium and the new medium, right? How can I build a, uh, a digital storefront in virtual reality so yeah. that I can then recreate, I, there was a quote from one of your posts, you know, recreate Gucci bags and digital that I can sell, right? No offense to anybody who likes Gucci bags. No, you know and I, I mean. actually have a lot of Gucci there bags. There you go. But, um, <laughs> yeah. but, but I, one thing I found really interesting to what you were saying is that, um, and correct me if I've got this wrong, but the experience, the trips, if you will, the experiences inside of trip that, that people see are generative. They're not, yeah. they're not, necessarily pre-made. I'm sure there are elements being used, you know, not to get into how the, the sausage is made, but you're you're creating things that can be personalized and also, as you said, are, are more about leveraging what's native to the medium than trying to recreate things. Can you maybe speak a little bit about that? Yeah, there's a few things to kind of unpack on, on what you just brought up. So we'll start with the latter first, which is, you know, one of the good attributes of technology is that it can be adaptive and you are learning 
uh, as a user navigates through any application, whether it's on your mobile phone or a video game, there's a data stream that I've always looked at in my technology career as a conversation. You know, you're telling me as you click on something or as you opt in to engage with something, this is what I need right now. And and what you ignore is just as important as well. And in the past, we've seen people take that data stream and use it in ways that can, you know, manipulate a purchase intent, right? Can even change the outcome of elections, you know, as it gets more sophisticated. I, I, I was thinking it, but you said it. So. Yeah. So, you know, I looked at that and I thought, and I know a lot about those technologies. I've worked in the video game industry for a right. long time. I've integrated e-commerce solutions and advertising and data collection. And, you know, there was this, you know, it, 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 I tend to think of work-life balance. It's all the same. It's all life. I'm, mm, I'm breathing in the moment and I am living, I'm here now, and I don't separate out my work from other interactions. I've always tried to find meaning and a connection to what I'm doing and you know, I love video games. When I was a young person, I found in a very chaotic environment, going into um, that mindset where I felt in control of right. the environment, right. even like designing my loadout for, you know, a first person shooter game, like, you know, you're strategically thinking, but it was also getting my mind off yeah. of yeah. what was, and it gave me a sense of empowerment. And yeah. So I think that, you know, there are a lot of benefits that don't get spoken about video game playing that I think are are worth talking about and looking at, even from a scientific research standpoint, uh, impact on spatial reasoning skills. But there's also, I believe, a whole wave of psychological benefits that can occur. And then, um, you know, I also have been practicing uh, meditation for a long time, way mm -hmm. before the mindfulness apps on the mobile phone or what I sometimes call <laughs> right, make right. mindfulness, right? Um, but I'm so grateful because they really, they reduced the stigma. When I started meditating, I was a teenager in peril and uh, it was something I was embarrassed to tell other people sure. that I did, yeah. but it, it really helped me. And I lost, um, I lost my husband very suddenly to cancer. And it was kind of in that life kind you know, just changing energy that, you know, you get shoved down your throat when something like that happens. Yeah. It does force you to stop and think about your life differently. One, sure. I had a deeper sense of understanding that none of us know how much time we have left. And I had achieved a certain amount of career traction where my ideas would be supported. Mm. And I had supported a lot of other people's ideas. And, right. and it was in that space of kind of grief and rebuilding and feeling, you know, everything just burned to the ground. And I thought, what do I want to build and how do I want to rebuild this? And, and it made me think about how do we use technology for good? How do we create tools that can help people get the kind of support that, you know, my decades long meditation practice gave me my escape into um, technology and video games experiences. There was something in there that the idea for Trip emerged. And, and so when I look at the advent of the metaverse and, and how to use tech for good, you know, if we can manipulate you to be um, uh focused on buying something you don't actually need, can we also use tech to help you drive behavioral changes that you want that's fully transparent to you? You're not like, um, uh, it, we're not trying to pull- Nothing tricked, up. right? Yeah, yeah, we're not tricking yeah. you with it. And this is what excites me about decentralization, Web3 mechanics, because if we have those kind of principles as we approach the build out of these new technology interfaces, you know, I think we can add something that can really enhance the human experience 
And that's really the goal that we approach this with. So one of the things I wrote in that post that you read was, why are we so focused on recreating all the yeah. crappy things we've built in the physical world, in the digital world? I mean, right. just the idea that land scarcity is a concept being applied to <laughs> metaverse <laughs> and decentralized. Like, it's an infinite world it, it, digitally. It, it, to me, it just seems like a rapacious kind of transaction being, you know, crammed into uh, something that could be so much more than that. So, so I think um, there's a lot in there and, and I'm, I'm happy to talk more about trip, but I'm curious about some of the, the science behind what you're doing, mm. but we'll put a pin in that for now. Yeah, sure. We can always talk again in the future. Um, but to get into to get into the the whole metaverse and Web three and all of that, um, there's something you said about being at a point in your life, in your career in particular, your professional yeah. life, mm-hmm. where you you know and and without knowing you very well, I've known each other for seven minutes now, five <laughs> of which was spent uh, stomping technical bugs, but we got there. <laughs> um, there is something I think about you know when when you go through your life and your professional work supporting people. Mm-hmm. just, you know, because it's what you do, whether you realize it or not, or perhaps it's intentional, that, that gets paid back to you at some point, I think, with people supporting your ideas. And when you're at that, that point and you feel that support, it kind of frees you up to look at things a different way, try things a different way. In your case, you know, you spoke of, of your husband passing and traumatic events can also, you know, make you take stock of your life in a new way, so to speak. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it sounds like you hit a point and you can kind of fill in the timeline here, but that hit this point that eventually led you to start trip with exactly what you were saying, looking mm-hmm. at, you know, we have these mechanics in place and coming from the gaming industry yourself, or we were talking before we started recording with my background, having worked in different parts of tech and, you know, for companies who are focused on making money and earning a living is a reality, but you hit a point where you think, well, what else can we do? Right. And, and I think, as you were saying, if we're able, the, the greater we have figured out how to um, cajole people into making another in-app purchase, into coveting virtual goods, you know, whatever it might be, mm-hmm. shouldn't it be at least as easy to nudge people towards doing something that they actually more intentionally think, I want to feel less stress. I want to, right. you know, I want my body to be more flexible. I, you know, I, I'm drawing from my own, yeah, my own current I, I wish want list. that I, too. I haven't I want, built that up yet. Right. Right. <laughs> so, um, so thinking about a lot of, a lot of what drew me to start this podcast and, and the order of the first couple episodes, not sure if this will be episode one or two or whatever, but first batch of people I'm talking to. Um, so thank you again for your, your willingness here. You're but welcome. in thinking about that, it, it was, for me, it was spurred by this feeling of this tech all sounds really cool. The, the tech itself, this notion of, you know, built in the trust is built into the code and 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 you know descriptions I've read of the blockchain and the immersive technologies like AR and VR and XR kind of taking us to the next step. You know, there's there's screens and the screens are mobile and the screens are attached to cameras and sensors. And to your point, we can have that two-way conversation with the data being recorded even from our own bodies. Mm-hmm. How do we take that to the next step of of experience, right? But all of the, or a lot of the the talk and the things in the press right now are scams and rug pulls and lawsuits and billions of dollars going missing and what's an NFT and, you know, the, the volatility of crypto and everything. So as you're kind of embarking on this next stage of your career and, and where Trip is going, and we can talk about the acquisition of Evolve VR um, and, and the, the mindful meta mindful metaverse, excuse me, idea. Uh What is it that you, I don't know, to to get away from the negative, what is it that you're seeing that you think can be done, or at least there's a a path you want to go down that isn't about replicating all the crappy stuff we've built and instead thinking, well, what can we do? Well, first and foremost, I personally am committed to being that voice that says, let's build something better. Yeah. Right. And 
now's the time to really start planting that seed. And it doesn't mean that we need to thwart people's ideas, you know, unless they conform to some kind of utopian condescending view, right? right like right, I right, think right. sometimes yeah. you can get in your own echo chambers uh, in a way that's not healthy either. And in many ways, sort of the wild west of these toxic online communities, maybe there's a place for that. And you look at like Reddit is a wonderful example of how community moderators can curate the conversation and and manage it. And I think that there's that kind of principle that is um, really exciting to me as we build out these worlds. And I've always had a vision that the future, even of video games, would be more like tools that get handed to the the community, the players, and they build the experiences. Right. They build right. the world that they want. Right. And so level you know, editors, I mean, but then some. Totally. Is, and I'm dating myself. <laughs> <laughs> so I think that a lot of this dystopian narrative, and I think much of it comes from the uh incumbents who are afraid of the change. Mm. And and in in my experience, I think people are hardwired to resist change. I always say, let's take the no out of innovation and <laughs> rather than put the no in it. Right. And the um, you think about it, I, I mean, just my personal experience when we started a company called Jammed App Mobile, very early mobile gaming company, started yeah. in the year 2000, became one of the first breakout hit mobile game companies. And I ran tech and operations at that company. Um, uh, phone dog fans, if there are any of you out yeah. there watching, you, you might remember Jab that. I remember Jab that. Yeah, Jab. Yeah. We had a really popular bowling game. We distributed <laughs> Bejeweled yeah, yeah. and yeah. Tetris. Yeah. And, um, we even worked with Activision and EA. Electronic oh, cool. Arts ended okay. up yeah, buying yeah. our company. Oh, okay. Got it. So we... Um, in the early days of Jammed Out, when we first started the company, people would say, no one wants to play a game on their cell phone. All people want to do is talk on their phone. They just need their cell phone for emergencies. And, you know, why would I play a crappy mobile game, you know, on my phone rather than on my PlayStation? And we heard the same thing in the early days of e-commerce, you know. No one's ever going to buy something they can't actually hold in their hands. And uh, books, maybe, but real things, no one will ever buy shoes for sure, right? right? right. You need to try it on. And, and, you know, the list goes on. When I was at a company called Machinima, which was one of the largest YouTube gaming networks, I would hear all the time, even though we had hundreds of millions of viewers on YouTube, why would anyone want to watch someone else play a video game? And I would go, why would anyone want to watch someone else play golf? Like, right, you know, right. no, exactly. Yep. Yep. <laughs> uh, so, you know, we have to also kind of be suspicious of a lot of these dystopian narratives too, because, you know, when you can create uh, automated royalty streams on the blockchain, it puts a lot of people, it displaces a lot of people who've been making a lot of money uh, by inserting themselves into the flow, uh, whether it's the transaction flow, the royalty publishing uh, flow that the music industry is committed to, the art dealer patron flow. And, you know, now the artist can continue to participate in the so transactions. Not, you know? not to put you on the spot to explain the blockchain to everybody. Oh, my God. New podcast, <laughs> one of the first episodes, I am going to ask you, when you talk about an automated royalty system, what, what is that for the uninitiated? What does that mean? So one of the nice things about an NFT, rather than, you know, a lot of people saying, oh, it's just an animated GIF for $80 million. Right. Like, why would anybody, you know, again, yeah. why yeah. would anybody why? want why? to buy yeah. that, right? Yeah. Um, but when you look at how um, in the blockchain, you can embed a little contract, a smart contract. It, it can have a lot of functionality in it, or it can be simple and just say, um, when this sells, 
you paid this person that much and that person this much. And, uh, and the platform might even get a little bit, uh, and that can continue on for the life of the, all the transaction flows. So right now. So if you make a, an NFT of a a GIF of a screenshot of this conversation, mm. you can embed a smart contract that says, pay me. Right. Anytime this changes hands, you get a cut, I get a cut, et cetera, et cetera. Right. Right. And that's just in the, in the code, basically. It's in the code. No one has to. So the way that let's just take the art world today. If you're lucky enough to be an artist, to have a gallery represent you, the gallery uh, um, gets an art buyer to buy your piece and you split the revenue, you know, uh, the price, the payment there. And then after that owner of the new painting, they can choose to resell it, sometimes through an auction house, sometimes uh, uh, through a gallery. But the artist never gets any participation in that, all those subsequent sales. And we know that that is a big, you know, revenue deal flow in the art world, right? It's art is an asset, especially with certain artists. So. You know, that in and of itself is um, very, I think, innovative. And we've seen a lot of artists in the digital art space this past year, especially, be able to create a living for themselves that I think is very exciting. And then when you think about like how the music publishing industry takes up works and we would, uh, if I'm a musician and I'm fortunate enough to have a record deal, And, you know, whoever produced it, the record company, anyone, all the musicians, they all get a little piece of the pie. And it's all um, percentage wise based on your contribution or what you did. But oftentimes there's so much front loading of costs and expenses that the music artist gets very little of that money uh, and maybe hardly makes any at all. And they have to do live shows and touring forever. yeah, Yeah. Right, right. So, you know, we haven't seen it happen yet, but I believe that's going to be the next wave of uh, uh, using the blockchain to revolutionize an industry. But it will displace a lot of people making a lot of money right now. Right. And I was on a panel recently with some of those guys and, you know, they're they're really trying to figure out how do we stay relevant in this transaction? I mean, look at the early days of advertising, even up until the 1980s and 90s before um, uh, the internet, you would have paste up artists, typesetters, stack camera operators, runners uh, running, um, you know, mechanicals that were created by the paste up artists down to the newspaper. And, you know, now one person can do what 60, 80 people did. Yeah. Media buyers. And, yeah. So there's the potential for all of that with smart contracts to reduce a lot of the friction. So um, bring it back to, to trip and uh, we can keep going on this thread, but kind of to bring it back. What, um, tell us about uh, the work you're doing with Evolve VR, I guess the acquisition of Evolve VR um, and you know, who they are, how you're working together and how that relates to this idea of the mindful metaverse. And again, I think a really cool posture as a business leader is just to be open-minded. And so our first goal it's when we pretty started- pretty good posture as a human, you know, <laughs> we're, we're all trying to get there. Well, also because, you know, especially as a startup entrepreneur, you will sometimes get so attached to your one idea that, yeah. that you don't see the forest for the trees and, and, it's really important just to get something built and get it out there. And you may find that a completely different idea emerges based on how the feedback comes in to you on what people like, where they want to see it be more evolved. And so with Trip, we first started working on really exploiting that really safe space that could be created in virtual reality and thinking of it more like a respite. How do we create a, you know, for lack of a better term, a cosmic flotation tank that could kind of make you feel cozy? And then 
float out into a bigger dimension and right, right. give you that sense of feeling part of something bigger. And and I feel like we've done that uh, at least for phase one in a way that we're all very proud of. And it's unique. We take a slightly psychedelic approach to it um, uh, because you can in VR and it, and it's it makes it fun. I, I like there was a pull quote on your website, I think, from a, a review that said it's uh, meditation meets a video game meets a happy pill. Yeah, uh, <laughs> right. I like that. It's that, unique. Um, and yeah. and, and it, it has been a joy to work on and it's attracted a lot of users as well as wonderful um, development talent that are excited about our mission to create these experiences that help change someone's state of being. In mind. And um, uh, what we found though was the Evolver community or Evolve VR. Evolver. Okay. Got yeah. It. You can say it both ways. I think. Yeah. I always, I always miss the obvious. So I'm just <laughs> <laughs> well, it's missing an E. So no one's, <laughs> um, but uh, you know, they have been up and running for five years in alt space and they have, it was started by a, a Unitarian minister named oh, Jeremy Nickel. Okay. And he is a, a wonderful person, really heart-centered. And he just really had this vision of creating a virtual environment that people could come together and uh, uh, have these shared experiences with meditation and open conversation. They have a weekly death Q and A because you know a lot of the I saw anxiety. That in yeah, it's one of the most yeah. popular experiences that uh, you know uh, events that they have. And what we saw, I I stumbled upon Evolver during their Burning Man when Burning Man first went on to VR and in alt space. I thought, well, I'll go check it out. Yeah. And Evolver had created a temple and, um, uh, in the Burning Man virtual space. And when I showed up there, I was uh, surrounded by a bunch of friendly little avatars welcoming <laughs> me to right. the space. And then one of them recognized my voice from the trip out. Oh, and, no kidding. Yeah, because I do. Do you do the, the voiceovers? Well, I... Or not voiceover, but the... Yeah, uh, I do the guided meditation yeah. only because... I was cheap and I could do it regularly. I, 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 <laughs> yep, I understand. You do. <laughs> well, what, I, you're, what you're saying about before, you know, all the folks who you needed to do ads back in the day, the other side of displacement is that an individual can create so much. So, yeah. That's right. And um, we were a small team at the time, but yeah. when I met, the Evolver community that day, they all said, oh, we love Trip so much and you have to meet Jeremy. And, you know, I had checked out a few of their events after that and I really loved what they were doing. And Jeremy reached out to me and he said, look, I can only get so far on my own with what I've built and I've built something pretty awesome. And is there a conversation where we should think about joining forces? And so... It's a natural and organic expansion to want to take care of yourself first. And then, you know, what Evolver has created is the opportunity to create live support in real time, but also to give support. So right. often at times the session leaders actually emerge from their community as well. And so I'm really excited about one putting the Evolver presence in more worlds, whether they're in uh, the walled garden worlds, like right now they're in Altspace and on the Engage uh, mm -hmm. uh, platform, we're looking at how do we create a world and um, a space it, in Horizons. Not to interrupt you, Engage or the AR glasses? Uh, no, that's the Unreal. Oh, the, and real, and, right. okay. Engage is another platform that uh, is available on the Quest and okay. other VR devices. So it's like alt space. Um, right, right. And so the goal being, we're going to put them in all the different worlds and also the decentralized worlds once they become um, uh, more accessible and really create mindful spaces that people can come and chill and connect to others in a way that uh, is well 
um, supported, you know, the alt space community leaders and moderators, um, they have really learned how to control, you know, the trolls. And, yeah, yeah, and which is huge. There are early reports, uh, I'm sure you're more aware than I am, but with meta horizons of people being, you know, sexually assaulted in VR. Um, and and yeah. I'll, I'll leave it to listeners to make meaning of those words, but essentially being harassed. And, well, as a girl know, gamer. Yeah, you know, you know right? I, yeah. it, you know, it's definitely an issue. Yeah. And so that was the other thing that I realized, you know, why not join forces with Evolver? They've figured it out. Right. And, right. and it takes a long time to harden that and and then we can also use our relationships in the industry with the platforms to help them make sure they have the right tools that they're putting in place, right. whether they're the decentralized worlds or 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 the you know like horizons, et cetera, that we can work with you and say, "Look, this is what we need to create, you know uh uh really." good environments for people to come in and get the support that they need. So that's the goal. Initially, that's what we're focusing on right now. And then you will see Trip bring more uh, social and community into its experiences. And one cool. of the things we're doing that's super cool, which we announced at AWE last year, was we are working with Niantic on their Lightship platform mm -hmm. as a partner to bring the trip experiences through augmented reality over the real world and get people into physical locations connecting to the world around them, but also with each other. So, so as I've been listening, I've had in, in the back of my head, what you said about the, um, the death Q and a sessions being, uh, so popular. And about the notion, it's almost the, um, and I know I'm, I'm preaching to the choir, you've lived this more than I have, I'm sure. But the notion of, you know, for all of the troll behavior that, you know, the anonymous keyboard warrior hides behind the screen and a fake, you know, uh, handle and everything. I was thinking about the flip side and how something like death that in, you know, Western and American culture certainly isn't talked about all that much. Right. Um, that I was imagining, and I, I've had this myself, going online and finding myself sharing freely with people yeah. who I wouldn't do that necessarily with people I know in, in uh, what, what are we calling, IRL, meet space, I don't know, whatever, whatever the kids call it these days, right? I think right? all of that is good. I call it the physical world. The physical because, world, yeah. Because I, I, I remember speaking, do you know Kent Bai, who runs the Voices of VR podcast? No, I don't think I do. Um, he's an amazing person and really knows a lot about right. the space. Putting him on my list of names. Yeah, of people you that, yeah. should. <laughs> he needs to be interviewed, right? Cool. He's he's awesome. But Great. he, uh, when I shared a very early build of Trip with him, we had in there a line that said, you may return to reality when you are ready at the end of it. And he said, you know, you had me so deep in the experience and why do you right. suddenly like make me feel like it's fake by saying right. this isn't real, what right. I just experienced. And so, you know, I, it really, um, it, it hit me very deeply when he said that, that these are experiences that are meaningful and connected. In, and that's really that principle of how do we build something better to enhance our experience. So there's, some really cool research that Skip Rizzo, uh, who's a neuroscientist mm -hmm. and psychiatrist out of um, uh, USC, and he's done some work with trauma uh, uh, specific to combat and veterans. Right. And right. what he found when he created a digital agent, um, uh, like an avatar that the um, uh, patient can talk to, in a virtual environment that they were actually able to open up about some of the things that they were holding on to in ways that they couldn't with a human because they weren't um, feeling the judgment of a human or right. afraid of the judgment. And so it doesn't replace the therapist, 
but it can augment the treatment by using these uh, digital agents in ways that can allow you to, you know, just express something that you haven't been able to, which can also be part of a path uh, that's therapeutic. Yeah. And like you said, especially with men, you know, having a stigma around expressing anything that might be emotional, <laughs> et cetera, there is, uh, and you know, there's research around that, right? Mm -hmm. Oh no, I'm just, I'm laughing because it's true. <laughs> well, and also, I mean, I, no. I hate to make it kind of a multi-cultural thing, but you know, I'm part Chinese and was raised by a Chinese grandmother and, you know, I was taught to not right. show anything and, you know, to just suffer right, in silence. Right, right. And yeah. um, uh, and so it's um, definitely, I think, a really interesting use of these online communities where that layer of abstraction can allow you to get something out. And I saw a little window of this. Do you, do you know this app Whisper that um it sounds familiar? Yeah, it's a yeah. mobile app and it's very popular with the uh T LGBTQ uh teen okay. community and you do anonymous posting and Oh yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. I went on Whisper when my husband got diagnosed with cancer because he didn't want me to tell anyone and I I mean it was uh, like right. you know, it was like this tea kettle on under yeah. a high heat, right? Filled with water and I went on Whisper and I just said, look, my husband has cancer and I have not told anyone and I, I'm, I'm dying inside. Right? Yeah. And, and uh, the support that I got back from just anonymous voices you know, and really, and it, it went on for days in a way that just allowed me to kind of feel like it was very unusual experience. And well, it, I think it was like the best of what the internet has to offer. Right? I mean, to, to use your words from before, it, it, it makes me think of that finding the container mm -hmm. where you can be, mm -hmm. say yourself, but a, another version of yourself that's freer in certain ways. And then, as you said, you know, over time, that container then expands to be able to interact with others in that space. Well, and who knows, like, I would love to see some research done on, you had mentioned the anonymous, you know, right, programmer right. at the keyboard, but maybe that venting of all that toxicity and the trolling has some psychological benefit to mm. that person as an outlet so that they're better in the physical world. I, you but know, I'm, like, I, I, I'm just laughing. <laughs> And, I'm very and, optimistic. Yeah, optimistic. yeah no, it's, uh, I, I'm laughing because I immediately thought of Twitter because I, I, Twitter was the, the social platform that I jumped on and have stayed with for, for a variety of reasons. I like Twitter actually. I, I, I liked, I mean, when I was working as a, uh, a reporter or reviewer, whatever the right word is, you know, it was my water cooler to talk shop with people in that little professional yeah, that's niche. That's what I like about people it. Use it. Yep. Yeah. Um, as time has gone on, I have, um, the more I use Twitter read only, the better off I am. Because mm -hmm. I, once that switch flips for me, I just ran and rave and it's, you know, <laughs> there's, there's a venting that's good, but then it can tip into. Well, um, especially you know. when your identity is associated with it, right? right. So yeah. the decoupling of that identity, um, I think we can look at in very innovative ways as we look at avatars and how we approach metaverse. So why does it have to be a one-to-one -one mapping to who I am in the real world? Maybe yep. there are different identities I want to express in ways creatively in a virtual space. Um, uh, one, even just psychologically being more open emotionally in ways that I'm just not comfortable with in real life. And one thing that was really interesting when Philip Rosedale was at Second Life and I met with him, he told me there was this large community of autistic people in Second Life that were having social interactions that they just were not capable of uh, experiencing in the physical world with other people. And, you know, those kind of things. I really grab on to. 
yeah. when I hear them because it it lets me know that there are other use cases for tech besides just e-commerce and <laughs> and a- a- advertising algorithms and even video games in ways that are just about getting you to stay in them forever. And right, right. So that that those are the things I get excited about when we think about what the metaverse can be. And so are there plans that you can share for what trip um, and trip with Evolver now is looking to do in the metaverse? And, um, you know, I'm using that term. I mean, I've seen it defined this way and I just kind of latched on to a big umbrella term that encompasses X, VR, AR, XR, and then also, you know, blockchain and all of those technologies. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so take this where it, where it makes most sense for you, but are there things that you're looking forward to trying to do or to do that you can't do with current technology? Are there, um, I, I don't want to say, are there NFT plans, but you know what I mean? Are there things that you can do in that space, decentralization and so on, uh, yeah. that, that you're not able to do right now? Well, uh, whatever your definition is of the metaverse I believe it will be distributed and you will go to, uh, you will enter it through many different paths. And so there is, um, there is a technology evolution underway that Mm -hmm. computing is moving from the hand to the head. And there's a lot of companies battling for ownership uh, as of, the standard. Of, of our heads. Of the head. That's <laughs> yeah. right. And yeah, yeah. you and I worked in this industry during a time where computing moved from the keyboard and the desk to the hand. Right. And now we are under, uh, we are well into a new evolution of computing. And I think it's very exciting when you look at it from that standpoint, because it can be spatial, it can be accessible uh, in uh, overlays, uh, different layers of reality, um, augmentation, all the way to full immersion. So that's one aspect. Then you have another component to that technology evolution, which is the rollout of 5G edge computing. Mm-hmm. and. We have been building apps for decades now that are, you download them to a device and based on the device's capability, um, as far as processing and memory and space, you know, that really limits or restricts how rich the app experience can be. And you can see the difference from a mobile game to a PC game or a PlayStation game. Um, That's based on what the hardware requirements are. Edge computing allows us to put the hardware requirements up into the cloud. And essentially what's coming down to the device will be a two-way video stream. Your button press will be a video stream up to the cloud. And uh, and this will allow us to have very lightweight devices. Right now, you know, I feel like I'm putting a microwave oven on my head. When I, you know, when yep, and yep. Uh, even the lightweight ones, they get hot. No, you, and yeah, you feel it in your neck. It's, you do. Yeah, yep. And you feel the weight forward. And yep. they weren't ever tested on women with smaller heads and uh, not defined nose bridges, you know, and mm, right. different cultures. And so being able to get a lightweight device uh, that you can stream really rich experiences. That is right around the corner and that's going to be a game changer. And then there's some interesting things percolating around, you know, 70% of the world's population needs some kind of vision correction. And when you create eyeglasses that are lightweight, that can adjust your vision in real time and they're data enabled and AI driven because they're connected to the internet, we're going to have an explosion of, everyone having their own personal device. So right right now, VR is very much like early days of mobile. Mom had that mobile in the car for emergencies. Now it's in the home. It's a shared device among the family. They're all using Mm -hmm. it. The features that will have a benefit to you as a human, like vision correction, it's not going to be, can I play 
you know, um, uh, Madden football on my eyeglasses all day long, right? right? right. It's going to be, oh, it auto focuses my, you know, near and far sight uh, in real time. That's what's going to get this on everyone's head. And it, it's not going to happen right away, but there, it's going to happen sooner than we think. So that's a really key facilitator of access to what we call the metaverse, um, because it will allow us to walk around with transformed views. And, you know, uh, and obviously people can exploit that. And use it to collect data in a way that, you know, can change, you know, the worst nightmare is just seeing all the advertising, right, that could come at you. Uh, But I've seen some interesting innovation. There's this guy, Lucas Risotto, who I love. He's a creator and uh, he's always experimenting and putting his stuff out there on YouTube. And he created an AR ad blocker that turns billboards that you see in the real world into artwork. And, nice, nice. you know, so think about the use of NFTs yeah, in that right, scenario, right? right? And um, so I think there's going to be uh, a lot of creative energy around how to do things differently with this four trip. We're just going to stay in the lane of creating supportive interfaces. Um, as the technology evolves, we'll be there front and center, just like, Early in my career, I was there with gaming. You know, the first mobile game we built, it's hilarious to look at it side by side with the way they look now. I mean, you know, you just get better and better and uh, things get less expensive as well. And we've already seen that happen in the last couple of years with VR. So our goal is really, can we create these layers of reality augmentation that are all architected to help you connect to self in a way that, uh, uh, and it can facilitate connecting to others. And I don't know if you meditate, Noah, but I know when I first- I've I've tried, I've tried. You've tried, okay, well, we can help you. We have an app. (laughs) Perfect. (laughs) But one of the things that happens is people approach mindfulness practices in the beginning stages with the goal of, I want to be, calmer. I want to be less stressed out. But what happens is this internal revolution where by being present, you, your awareness becomes present and with awareness becomes self-awareness. And in that space of self-awareness, it can actually be very painful because you start to realize, wow, I'm not that great of a person. Right. And And uh, I just said something harmful to someone I really care about. And why did I do that? And, you you know, we're so hardwired to see how the world's impacting us all the time. And we seek tools from that, uh, that place. But what that shift that can happen where you start to see how you're impacting the world around you is a really important sea change for all of us. And so the more people we can get into that contribution and impact mindset where they start to think, you know, how can I be better? How can I be a better boss, a better partner, a better parent, a, uh, you know, better citizen? And, you know, it's those kind of changes that are where the revolution starts, right. you know, yeah, absolutely. and how we become better. And I see meditation and a regular mindfulness practice as a gateway to that. And so when you look at web three and decentralization, there's also opportunities for creating new earning economies. Like Mm -hmm. could an earning economy be created around you taking care of yourself? How would that work? (laughs) I've got some ideas for it. I'm not really, uh, I'm not ready to share, but you know, that can definitely be, uh, or, or let's just look at, you know, this is not something maybe we do, but right now, when you go to the grocery store when and you swipe your rewards card, they're collecting data on you. When you even signed up for Verify, um, you know, with the COVID mm-hmm. uh, passport, they are brokering your data right. behind always. the scenes. Always, yeah. right? Yeah. Everyone is collecting data on you and they are reselling it. You are the product 
and you are not earning on any of that. Right. Decentralized um, uh, interfaces could allow you to participate in the monetization of your own data in a way that can even be de-identified uh, because anonymized data has huge value to healthcare, sure. insurance, uh, you know, understanding trends. If I can slice it by gender, age, location, it's actually important data for businesses, for how they market, especially right. pharma, et cetera. And right. so why shouldn't you participate in that? You're generating that data. Right. Yeah. yeah. Right. And so blockchain could actually facilitate that where you can opt in to some kind of centralized uh, uh, data store and say, okay, I'm willing to feed my data from these apps to you. And when you sell it, the smart contract the smart, pays me Right, some okay. Money. It's like royalty. Right, right. Yep. On your own data. Why yeah, shouldn't yeah. Yeah, everyone you know, else is making money off it? If I can get a little cut of the fact that the grocery stores know all I ever buy is ice cream and sparkling water, I'm, I'm all in. I'll do but it. But do you yeah. know how they sell that data? I actually know how they sell oh. that data. <laughs> So that data based on, because geographies tend to eat similar foods, mm -hmm. they can predict in neighborhoods which uh, diseases you're going to get by what right. you eat. Right. And then pharmaceutical will target certain right. ads, like right, right, in, right. in some neighborhoods where there's not a lot of organic food eating, they will put uh, type 2 diabetes ads, right? right? And right. So, you know, it, it, there is a lot yeah. going on behind the scenes. <laughs> we grab that wheel and turn it the other way. So instead of selling diabetes meds, we're, I don't know, bringing better food into these food deserts. Well, but yeah, maybe, you know. maybe if uh, healthcare could also take that data and reward you for taking care of yourself, care of yourself with right. lower premiums. Right, right, right. Right. Yep, so those yep. are kind of things we can do where... The incumbents can actually, if they can flip their models, but we know that they're, you know, people aren't open to change. Like right? you said, yeah. No, yeah. that people who, who, well, it's a whole separate conversation, but yes, yeah. they're resistant to change. Yeah. Um, Nenea, this has been wonderful. Uh, for, for folks who want to find out more about TRIP, uh, I mentioned your Medium blog. Maybe let's throw out some URLs. We'll put them sure. in, the, Trip. in the show notes. Sure, yeah. TRIP with two Ps, T-R-I-P-P. <laughs> Uh, I am at Nanea, N-A-N-E-A on Twitter and my DMs are open. We are hiring and, um, uh, and super excited to meet creators who have content that they might want to distribute through us. So we're launching a major update to our mobile app. So audio content. Oh, excellent. Great. We have some NFT artists who have created beautiful animations for our new mobile app, which should launch very soon. And uh, um, yeah, so there's lots, lots to our ecosystem and more growth that um, uh, we're looking to roll out. So and, um, and just, just to be clear that um, we've been talking a lot about VR experiences, but mm -hmm. Trip is also accessible in some ways, if you don't have a, a VR headset? Yeah, well, okay. one, you can access Altspace through the right. um, web browser and right. you can join any of the Evolver meditations through that without through Altspace, a headset. Right. And then um, shortly, the Trip mobile app on iOS first, um, we're rolling out the beta on iOS and then we'll okay. update Android. We'll have a full catalog of meditation, music, and and guided voice meditation. We have these really cool accompanying visuals to support you through that. And it's the beginning um, uh, of us adding more and more content. And then toward the end of the year, we will be adding an AR upgrade to mm -hmm. our mobile experience that um, has some Pokemon Go type of right, dynamic. Right, right, yeah. yeah, which I think will be really fun. That's the goal fun, yeah. will be to get you out into like parks and other spaces to to connect to yourself and connect to the physical world in a very really cool. cool way. Yeah, a AR kind of under the radar, although it's it's flying a little higher above the radar, whatever that wherever that metaphor goes. But wherever that's all, that radar is, <laughs> wherever the radar is, right? But that that idea of of you know, I don't know, AR and connecting the tech to the physical world and everything is something I, I I'm very I'm excited really about. excited about yeah. it. I, I'm not going to talk about some of the features no, no, just no. yet, but 
the team has come up with a really cool design. And because of the way we've architected our platform, you know, we can, um, uh, it's very interoperable from one platform to the other. You can log oh, great. in. Cool. So the, some of the data uh, that you, um, the experiences that you have in VR will influence how the AR experience is, right. but you can do each one on your own without yep. having both. So excellent. Yeah. Cool. Great. Well, we'll have you have you back on the show when Thank you so much. Uh, ready for that. This Thank you. This has been a blast. You too. Bye. Thank you. Thank you.